This is the On the Edge of Primary Care podcast with Dr. Paul Benson and Julene Jordan. Dr. Paul Benson has been practicing family medicine since 1980 in Southeast Michigan. Dr. Benson provides compassionate care for all members of the family and specializes in the latest treatment for the LGBTQ plus communities. Dr. Benson is board certified in family medicine and is credentialed by the American Academy of HIV Medicine. To contact the show, email questions at bewellpodcast.com. And here are your hosts, Julene Jordan and Dr. Paul Benson. Welcome to On the Edge of Primary Care. It's a podcast with Dr. Paul Benson. Welcome once again, Dr. Paul. Hi. Glad to have you here and joining us today. Also, Mark Rosen, a physician's assistant. Now, today we're talking about sexual health and HIV prevention. So can you define sexual health for us? I'd be happy to. Many people may think that sexual health is just the absence of disease, and that's, that's far from, too, from true. Sexual health involves an attitude, and it also involves good medical care. And many times, unfortunate as it is, many doctors like to sweep under the rug sexual health. It takes time and energy to have a discussion and actually talk with people. And so many times doctors are not really talking about sexual health. And sometimes many people don't want to talk about their sex lives, but this is extremely important. It's important for prevention of HIV and other sexually transmitted diseases. They say that sexually transmitted diseases is the is the gift that keeps on giving. And if you don't talk about it, you don't treat it, then it certainly can become into an epidemic. And unfortunately, in the Detroit areas and other areas in the United States, STDs are just becoming a huge problem. It's costing our healthcare systems millions of dollars each year. Many people go to emergency rooms to get tested for STIs. The worst place to go, they should be going to a primary care clinic or maybe the health department where there's much more time for doing education rather than just treating and treating them as what might happen in an emergency room. Mark has been working for me for a few years. He is director of my research program, but he's taking a special interest in sexual health. So I'm really glad that we have an expert with us. Yes. That, uh, yes, that we could uh, that we can pick his brain a little bit for. So, uh, Mark, uh, thank, thank you for being here on my podcast. Yeah, no problem. Yep, and I'd you know, love for you to talk a little bit about STDs in general. Give us an overtake. Yeah, so at our office, we routinely test for STDs and we're treat them all the time. Um, whenever I have a positive STD test, my first question I ask the patient is, any signs or symptoms? And the most common answer is, I have no symptoms. Yeah. Um, most STDs are actually asymptomatic, and that's why we have to test some patients more than every few months. Um, Absolutely. And part of it is taking that sexual history that doctors don't want to do. We do it because we know how important it is. But if they have an orifice that they're using for sex, it needs to be cultured. And we're going to miss many infections. I've heard up to 85% of uh, rectal infections could be missed if you don't do a culture. And many doctors tend to omit that. Most common um, symptoms of STDs would be um, could have pain at the site, um, if it's rectally, orally, or um, vaginally, or penile. Um, they can have discharge um, in the penis or vagina. Uh, they could have a rash on their body. 
Um, if it's HIV, they can have flu-like symptoms such as fevers, chills, sore throat. Um, they might, could have a rash on their chest as well. Sure. So I, I think you're talking about primary HIV infection. Can we go into a little detail about those symptoms of what happens right after you're infected with HIV, about four to six weeks after you get infected, you develop symptoms of the flu? Yeah, generally there's flu-like symptoms. It's usually within the first month of exposure, and it, it takes time for your body to build antibodies from the infection, so it's usually not the first week. Um, we do have a test in our office called an HIV rapid test that it's sensitive enough that it could pick it up within 15 days of infection. Um, if we're highly suspicious, there's even an HIV viral load test that could detect it as soon as five days. Yeah, It's not unusual that, you know, I've seen, I know you've seen as well, patients that come in, they say they saw their primary doctor or went to an urgent care center with symptoms of the flu, and it turns out that they uh, are treated for the flu, they get better, and then, you know, a few months or a year or two later, we find out that those symptoms of the flu were really not the flu, but it was HIV infection. And probably primary HIV, four to six weeks after you get infected, symptoms of the flu, but 80% of the time you get a skin rash on your body, usually on your chest or your back. And um, when you have primary HIV, you get fevers just like the flu as well. Um, what about syphilis? Tell, tell us a little bit about syphilis. For syphilis, it's a complex disease because there's different stages. Uh, stage ones, there's sometimes a rash on the body called a shinker um, that could be, I've seen it orally, I've seen it on a penis, I've seen it on a vagina or in the rectum. Um, Do they, does a shinker hurt? Is it painless or painful? Textbooks, it's painless. Um, I have seen it in sites where it is painful if it's rectally or orally, if just from food particles, if it's orally or from enzymes or fecal matter if it's rectally where it could become painful. And how could you test for syphilis? Uh, the way we test for it is with a blood test called a RPR. Um, and then if it's positive, then there's further testing that reflexes with the labs. Sure. So should people, if they're sexually active, especially having multiple partners, should they get routinely screened for syphilis with an RPR? Yeah, I offer it almost every time. And it's an inexpensive test. There's really no reason to not do that. One of the, the new diseases that a lot of people are really not checking for is Mycobacterium genitalium, commonly known for as MGen. Um, are you seeing much MGen in the office? Yeah, I've, I actually have been trained just as much as chlamydia and gonorrhea this past year. Wow. Um, we had a lot of cases of we called NGU, non-gonococcal urethritis, which just means... Symptoms of STD, but every STD test comes back negative. Um, where we've given them typical antibiotics to treat like chlamydia and gonorrhea and symptoms resolve. Um, but we found out just this past year from the health department to start testing for it routinely. And we've been amazed how many positive cases we've had. Yeah. You know, it's interesting historically, and I've been practicing a lot longer than you, um, many years ago, up until just recently, we test for gonorrhea, we test for chlamydia with these discharges, and as you said, they were negative, and we just call it nonspecific urethritis. And so we usually treat it with vibromycin or doxycycline. And um, I think what's happened is we never really identified it as MGen, and now we're seeing a problem with resistance that we have to use stronger medicines to treat for MGen because so many of these cases were treated not knowing what the actual agent was. 
We'll be right back after we introduce you to a member of Dr. Benson's Be Well Medical Staff. Hi, my name is Christopher Petrat. I'm a registered nurse with Dr. Benson at Be Well Medical Center. I've been with him since um, April of 2014. My favorite part about coming into work is it's always something different every day, and I take a lot of pride in my work taking care of the patients here at the medical center. This is Mystery Diagnosis. Dr. B, tell us today's case story. This is a case about a gentleman who's 22 years old of coming to age. He is a gay individual and lived a hidden lifestyle for many years, knowing that he was gay. All of a sudden, the closet door swung wide open, and he became very, very sexually active, using social media apps like Grindr, and having at least seven to ten different contacts of sex um, each week. And he was treated for four sexually transmitted diseases in a six-month period of time, And he presented most recently with bumps on his penis. Okay, so is it A, HIV, B, nymphomania, C, genital warts, or D, attention deficit disorder, or ADD? It's actually, in this person, a combination, almost all of the above. The patient did not have HIV, and the only reason I believe he did not have HIV is because he was on PrEP. He was taking his Descovy as an HIV preventative. Um, and I had many discussions with him over a six-month period of time. He absolutely refuses to use condoms. I don't know if it's that underdeveloped prefrontal cortex to make poor poor decisions, um, but that that's really what he chose. So he did not have HIV, although... I still pray for him that he doesn't get it because he's still putting himself at an awful lot of risk. But at least one thing he does every day is he takes his his prep. Um, Nymphomania, I'm not really qualified to make that as a diagnosis. Um, Perhaps he is, um, or it could just be everybody comes out at their own level and, again, his door is swung wide open. Um, He may have ADD, which may be leading to some of his behavior that he's having, But the answer here was C, genital warts. Bumps on the penis, bumps on the rectum, uh, bumps inside the vagina um, can be caused by a virus called HPV virus or genital warts. Most of the time, perhaps 90% of the time, they're self-limiting and they go away on their own. Sometimes we help by using cryotherapy or other methods to treat the warts and get rid of them. The concern is, is about 10% of the time, they can go on to progress and become cancerous. Women with cervical cancer are very, very familiar with this. We have aggressive pap smear programs in place to identify cervical cancer early and treat it, where it's no longer a life-threatening, uh, life-threatening problem. But the bottom line is, if somebody has bumps on their genitalia, they should go into their doctor and get checked and treated. And fortunately now, there's a great vaccine called Gardasil to prevent genital warts. And really what we need to do is get young people vaccinated before they become sexually active so they can avoid getting genital warts, especially the strains that can go on to cause cancer. 
The On the Edge of Primary Care podcast with Dr. Paul Benson presents contemporary health topics by Dr. Paul Benson and his guests. Information presented is not meant to diagnose or treat individual health problems. For specific information, please consult your medical professional or call the Be Well Medical Center at 248-544-9300. I think one of the things that also is swept under the rug by physicians that we're not talking to is is women having a receptive anal sex. And that's something that needs to be discussed with their patients because a lot of times it's not volunteered. Um, what I found, and I think you have too, we've talked about it before, is a lot of young women um, have anal sex to maintain their virginity. And I guess that also includes some ethnicities that, that don't allow premarital sex. And again, if you don't ask the questions, um, and many doctors don't. They um, they they will miss culturing, you know, an, an anal culture from a woman, and, and miss STDs. I see sites missed all the time. I've had patients go to urgent care, and they just tested their urine, and then I'm testing a rectal swab, and I get a positive result um, all the time. I love going around and lecturing medical students and other doctors, and trying to get them to say, you know, the most important thing, even if you do a terrible job at it is to take, take a sexual history because if you don't ask the questions, you just don't know. And, you know, I like to use the example, you know, of my sister who is divorced and is, is dating around a little bit. And, you know, she's 70 years old. And I asked her, did your gynecologist or your internist ever once take a sexual history on you? And the answer was no, it was never never mentioned. And unfortunately, I think that's that's all too common. Let's switch a little bit to uh, to HIV. I know that you are the uh, sub-investigator in, in the DISCOVER trial. Do you want to tell our, our audience what the DISCOVER trial is? Yeah, it's a study that um, it was comparing um, two forms of PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV prevention. Um, there's this one medicine called Truvada that's been out for say, about 10 years for prevention. Well, since 2012, getting close to 10 years. Um, it's comparing Truvada, which was the only approved prep at that time, um, to a newer medicine called Descovy that's been approved since 2016 um, for HIV treatments, um, where they had 5,000 participants in the study, and 2,500 of them were randomized to the Truvada arm, 2,500 were randomized to the Descovy arm. Uh, one nice thing about the study was we were actually, we had about 100 participants at our office of the 5,000 worldwide. So we actually got to witness firsthand um, from side effects to lab results. Um, to qualify for the study, you had to be a high-risk individual. So you had to be a male that had sex with multiple other male partners, or you could be a transgender woman. Um, you had to admit to not always using condoms. Um, you can't just be in a monogamous relationship. There had to be some kind of clear risk. Um, and at every single study visit when they came in, they had to get tested for chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and then they got a rapid HIV test and then a HIV test um, through a venipuncture as well. The one thing that amazed me throughout the study is every week I had multiple phone calls for positive STDs. It shocked me. I was not expecting to see all that asymptomatic STDs, and, and I think it's a discover, discover trial really changed my mind 
to say that we absolutely have to be taking sexual histories in cultures, any orifice that's being used because of all the asymptomatic. The Discover trial was a real eye-opener for me. So, yeah, I agree. And the way the site is designed is they got tested, um, all three sites, um, rectally, orally, and through urine um, at every visit. Um, so he's been gone for going on almost three years. Um, and just recently, actually, the FDA did approve um, the new medicine, Descovi, for PrEP. Uh, it's been about over three weeks now. Um, the study's still ongoing, but it's just in the open label phase. And both the Truvada and the Descovi arm were extremely effective. I think it was like 99.7% effective for preventing HIV. We're going to take a quick break to introduce you to an important organization that Dr. Benson would like to highlight in the community. My name is Rudy Serra, and I'm the president of the board of directors of FernCare. The FernCare Free Medical Clinic provides free primary care medical services, including lab testing and dispensing generic medication for people between the ages of 19 and 64 who have no health insurance of any kind, including Medicaid. You don't have to live in Ferndale or even Oakland County. The clinic operates six days a month. Exact dates and times are available online at ferncare.org. We survive as a result of grants and, more importantly, generous contributions from individuals like you. The clinic also serves as a drop-off for no longer used medical items and no longer needed medication. To volunteer at FernCare or to make a contribution, please see our website at www.ferncare.org. For healthcare and resource information, office hours to drop off no longer used items, and appointments, please call FernCare at 248-677-2273. Swipe left, swipe left, go swipe right. Making a questionable choice doesn't have to be a life sentence. Visit Dr. Paul Benson's Be Well Medical Center for STD testing, annual physicals and more. Book your appointment and check out our new podcast today at drbewell.com. The On the Edge of Primary Care podcast with Dr. Paul Benson presents contemporary health topics by Dr. Paul Benson and his guests. Information presented is not meant to diagnose or treat individual health problems. For specific information, please consult your medical professional or call the Be Well Medical Center at 248-544-9300. So I'd like to end up just talking a little bit about HIV and STD prevention and I think a lot of people really need to understand that it's not any one thing that you do, that it's a comprehensive program to protect yourself from HIV. Do you want to comment at all a little bit on on what a comprehensive program is? Yeah, there's a lot to it. Um, one good first step would be just talking with your, um, your provider just to kind of, they understand your lifestyle and they could kind of recommend how to limit your risk um, from condom use um, to being tested routinely for STDs. Um, Good point. Good point. And knowing your partner's status is extremely important. Sometimes it takes some conversation. Um, today, um, sex has changed from the 1980s and it changed from the, from the roaring 1920s. It, it keeps changing, but um, sex for many people nowadays is as simple as ordering up an Uber that you can go on your uh, your iPhone and you know go on Tinder or go on Grinder and and have somebody come to your door no strings attached attached have sex and then they go home so um, 
part of that comprehensive program is uh, is certainly knowing the status of your partner. We like to tell our patients that, you know, risk reduction is a personal thing you need to do for yourself. You can't really trust the other guy. You always need to, you know, practice protection, use condoms, know your partner's status, perhaps limiting the number of partners that you have if that's, you know, one thing that you want to do. Maybe be abstinent from sex if that's thing that you want to do. Um, if you have an issue, go to the doctor and get treated. Get, as you said, get tested regularly. Any other um, things for a comprehensive program? I would ask patient, make sure your partner's getting tested routinely as well. Yeah, good point. Big one. Good point. Great. I think we did a good job covering this. Thank you very much for coming on this podcast today. And um, I'll turn it back over to Jolene. Well, thank you for being here, both of you, Mark Rosen and uh, Dr. Paul Benson. This is On the Edge of Primary Care, and we're glad you joined us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the On the Edge of Primary Care podcast with Dr. Paul Benson. Dr. Benson is a board-certified physician, president of the St. John Oakland Physicians Organization, and head of the Be Well Medical Center in Berkeley, Michigan. Information presented in this podcast is not medical advice and is not meant to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease. For specific information, please consult your medical professional or call the Be Well Medical Center at 248-544-9300.